believe it or not, and maybe after 13 years, you may have a harder time believing this. I used to get nervous getting up in front of people. And sometimes, even today, 15, 16 years after I've been doing it regularly, it still gets me every now and then. And when I, I actually... Did I turn... I actually learned how to get over it. God had set me up for a time of being able to, to speak publicly on a regular basis by being a musician, by playing in, it just happened to be a praise band for three years before I ever really stepped up in front of somebody without a wall of drums in front of me to be able to have nothing except a microphone and speak. In fact, the anticipation sometimes would get me so much, I would uh, develop routines. And that happened to be one of them. And honestly, it hits a little bit because short of getting ready to play that now with a microphone on my, uh, on my face, I don't think I've played that routine in six months. <laughs> but I used to always be the first one on site going through these routines setting up my, my drums in a, a particular way, just so I could get through the nerves. The anticipation wouldn't get the best of me. All that nervous energy that I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to play it like 500 miles an hour. Well, let me just get it all out now instead, while nobody's really listening. Maybe you've even felt it as well. Maybe if you saw me out in the narthex, and I think Jerry was like, uh-oh, he's got drumsticks, something's going on. Why is he picking up drumsticks before? I mean, the, the bulletin says sermon, I think. Right? Yeah. Of course, then again, those of you who have known me for a little while are probably like, oh, yep, it says sermon, anything's on the table. <laughs> drumsticks totally fits perfectly. But maybe you experience it in other ways. Maybe the jitters before participating in a wedding. In any position, whether it's yours, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, whether you're just going to get to see a friend commit before God and family to another person, that can get some of those jitters going back through your veins. Maybe you remember the days of walking down the hall 50 feet, 40 feet before your final exam, 30 feet, taking that deep breath before you cross the threshold and you're in the classroom. Maybe, let's just call a spade a spade, it's just the countdown to Christmas. When you were Andrew's age or Sarah's age, and you're counting down how many days left. It's, it's the one reason teachers had to teach kids how to count backwards. You know, all, their, all their elementary years, they're counting up. Well, when it comes to Christmas, they learn how to go backwards. Anticipation does wonders. And if, Christmas, if Christianity has an anticipation season, this is it. Advent. This time of, of getting ready for the good news of great joy to take on human flesh. For God's promise of generations to finally come to fruition. Now since the um, admittedly 
the events of that first Christmas can be a little bit difficult to relate to. Um, I've had some... uh, I'll call them God moments in my life. I've never had an angel come talk to me. I've never... um, We understood what was happening when we had children. Um, No miraculous announcements or anything like that. So rather than try and... Um, understand or relate to the experiences. We're going to look at the people who experienced them. Because chosen favorite as they may have been, they were all still human beings. And there's a place where maybe we can relate to that. Maybe it won't be all the headliners. There are a number of characters in the Christmas narrative. But all still important people. And today, We see on many different levels the ultimate show of anticipation. Even in anticipation that that goes across generation lines. So I'm going to read, Rachel and I are actually going to read together some parts out of Luke 1. Now maybe there's certainly parts of Luke 1 that you are familiar with and you'll notice, you'll probably even recognize that those are the parts we're skipping over so we can focus on just a few well, really kind of focus on two characters, but their story plays out again for generations things that had been anticipated so here are these selections, if you will from Luke 1 when his service, Zechariah the priest when his time of service was ended he went to his home After those days, his wife, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me. When he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace, I endured among my people. In those days, Mary set out and went went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child wept, leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No! They said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all the neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. 
All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's a few layers, as I said, of anticipation going on just in this story. And yes, there, there's parts of it where we're kind of dropping into the middle of an episode. So I'll, I'll flesh it out as we're going. But I'll point out two of these layers and I'll kind of draw out a third. The first place of anticipation that Zechariah and Elizabeth, our two main characters for now, are anticipating John. And yes, to clear up... Um, Confusion, because normally there's only one of any particular name in um, the biblical text. This is the person who would become John the Baptist. So, who's mom? Who's this Elizabeth character that, that gets to have a conversation with the mother of our Lord, Jesus, uh, Mary? Well, she's a, a lady married to Zechariah. We'll get to him in a little bit. But her name means oath of God. And hang on to that in a little bit. For, in a little bit. And she is, as Zechariah calls her, um, getting on in years a little bit. And she has been barren for all of them. Now this is why we know that there was excellent premarital counseling in the, um, in the sanctuaries of the, the temples before Zechariah and Elizabeth got married, because that's the terminology that Zechariah chooses to use. He says, when he's having his conversation, we'll get to that in a bit, he says, Elizabeth is not old, she's getting on in years. We'll call it that. So, whichever way i got to give the thumbs up for that one, good job, Zechariah, you're a wise man. So, who is he? Who is this Zechariah guy? His name, similarly to Elizabeth, means God remembers. So we have oath of God, promise of God, and God remembers. Now, he is a priest doing his own version of anticipating. This is a... a Godly, uh, righteous, blameless before the Lord family. But he is getting his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here. As a member of the Levitical class, he would, they would work in teams, if you will, serving in the temple. And he got to draw the lot of probably of thousands of priests to be able to offer incense, to offer prayers. Incense was the, the incense rising was the physical manifestation, if you will, of the prayers of the people going up towards God. He got to do that in the Holy of Holies, the place one priest, one time a year, got to go. and He got a shot. But he's offering incense, offering prayers on behalf of a people to a God who has been silent for 400 years. No angels, no words, no prophets, Celestial radio silence. And yet, he stays faithful, offering the prayers. The people outside offering prayers with him. Until 
God, after all this generations, ten generations of radio silence, sends the mega angel, sends Gabriel to have a conversation with Zechariah in the Holy of Holies. The closest anybody would ever get to God. And he meets Zechariah in the, the sanctuary, if you will, and he prophesies John's birth. And he says to him, <coughs> The angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your prayer is answered, Zechariah. This righteous, blameless couple finally have the curse of barrenness relieved, resolved. And in response, as probably any man getting on in years as he was, would respond to such a conversation. I'm guessing I wouldn't be too much different. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. Wise to not call his wife old. Not so wise in that he's asking how to an angel of the Lord. You must have the wrong priest, Gabriel. Maybe you're looking for Zephaniah two miles down the road at another temple. I don't know. But again, here's proof that God is kind of works equal opportunity. Because a few weeks ago when we were talking about promises God makes in the Old Testament, and God promises a child to a lady getting on in years named Sarai, and she laughs at the Lord. Well, now, generations down the road, God, through Gabriel, promises a child to another getting on in years lady, and Zechariah decides he's going to laugh at the promise, the idea. And this not-so-young buck himself ends up getting muted until it happens. So maybe we have anticipation 1A here, Zechariah anticipating the chance to talk again. Maybe Elizabeth is like anticipation 1B. Oh, I like this idea that Zechariah can't talk anymore. He's a priest and he just keeps on going and thank goodness for silence. But back to Elizabeth. And put yourself in her shoes for a second. If you can. She's getting on in years. She's barren in a society that views that very situation as a curse. Before God's oath, remember her name? God's oath. Before that oath, she was an outcast. The um, uh, subject of flappy lips as she would walk down the street. Wonder what her parents did to, for her to deserve not being able to have a child. As she gets older, if Zechariah passes away, she's got nobody to care for her. 
She's been considered cursed. I wonder what she did as a kid that her womb was closed. What did she do? It would take a miracle, quite literally, for her to understand her namesake, to be the one named after God's oath. But when God makes a promise, as we saw in that whole study, oh, imagine that. God sticks with it. God comes through miraculously, and she's pregnant. This is what the Lord has done for me, and when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. You can hear it just in her praise and her response. So much of it is, he looked favorably upon me and he took away the disgrace that I had been experiencing among the people. That's her, almost her first comment. The disgrace is gone. The dirty looks are gone. The shame is removed and replaced with a, a very tangible form of God's favor. And she's going to get to have, bear, a world-changing son. The man, John the Baptist, who would eventually anticipate the one he was the forerunner for. He was the um, the opening act for Jesus. It comes out a few different times in his life and in his ministry, but the anticipation started before John even breathed his own air into his lungs. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, as Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, she's five or six months pregnant at the time with John. The child, John, left in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John knows, even in utero, there's something up. There's something unique, and Elizabeth knows it too. She says to Mary, who, yes, conceived miraculously, but it's not quite so obvious. I mean, she's a, a young girl. It, it's still biologically possible for her to have kids. Elizabeth, I mean, that, that ship has sailed. And she says, and why has this happened to me, Elizabeth says to Mary, that the mother of my Lord comes to me. She knows there's something special about Mary's child. I don't think she refers to Mary as the mother of my Lord by accident. And later on in life, John's anticipation gets ramped up as he starts to remind people of what the Lord wrote through Isaiah. In Isaiah 43. Now here's the thing. A little Bible study tip for you. Isaiah is often considered a mini Bible. And there is a big, there is God working, speaking regularly in chapters 1 through 39 which happens to be Genesis through Malachi's 39 books. And then there's radio silence. Until we get to Matthew, and until Isaiah gets to chapter 40. And at chapter 40, God starts to speak again, and offer hope again, a glimmer of something to anticipate again. And Isaiah says, as that anticipation, as God comes out of radio silence, he says, a voice cried out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
These are people who have anticipated this Messiah for generations. And Mark even opens up his gospel with this very quote, this promise that came after God had been silent for so many years. So people so anticipated that they thought maybe John's the one we've been waiting for. I mean, he's the one obviously filled with the Spirit and all those things that, that, um, that Gabriel had said to, to Zechariah about what his son was going to be like. Check out what Gabriel had given to him. With the Spirit and the power of Elijah, I mean, if you're going to get compared to anybody, you get compared to Elijah. That's like, you know, hey, your son's going to be the next LeBron James or, or Steve Jobs or something like that. With the Spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And yet, in, when they asked, are you the one? In John's Gospel, John denies it. He says, even a one even greater than I am is coming. I had all this anticipating my birth and my ministry. And he was great at it. But he says, there's one coming that I'm not even worthy to undo his sandals. He's great, but he's basically the one rolling out the red carpet for the real Messiah. Or kicking the leaves off the, or the snowflakes off the dusty trail. And then, as Jesus... Um, starts to take a little bit of the limelight. And, and John says, you know what? Here's the greater one. Here's the one you've been waiting for. Jesus anticipates his kingdom on earth. This comes out of a, a broader range of scripture. So I'm kind of running, the, uh, riding the theme of anticipation through this narrative rather than really sticking to particular characters here. But here's where us as modern day believers kind of start to diverge from if I can call it, pre-incarnation believers. People who had believed, anticipated the Messiah before the Messiah physically came. Because Israel had been anticipating for generations for an event, for a person. We, on the other hand, kind of anticipate in a cycle. Don't we? We anticipate, or we spend Advent anticipating the celebration of a past event. We, we count down to Christmas and then Christmas finally comes. It's like, yay, Christmas, here we are. And then we get to, what, January of 2022 and the anticipation goes, till we get to about the day after Thanksgiving next year. And yay, we're building up to Christmas. You know, Christmas 2022 and then January of 2023 and the anticipation is, and we anticipate in this cycle. But Jesus didn't say, I'm here, end of story. He's, yes, comes, but he comes anticipating something else. Anticipating what we would call a second advent. As we see in Mark's Gospel in chapter 13, Jesus' words, But to those, in those days, after the, that suffering, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And the God, who spent generations promising the first advent, the first coming of a baby in a manger, 
physically helpless. Crying, taken care of by teenage parents, coming a second time. With all the power, all the glory, all the might that he left up in heaven the first time. And he does it with, dare I say, a warning. Across scripture. But that about that day and hour, nobody knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the, that time will come. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. So what are you anticipating in this season? What gets... I'm, I'm bringing this back down a little bit to sort of our week, our cyclical season. What gets the jitters going back in your veins? Or maybe you think, you know what, I'm done anticipating. I've done it. Again, Zechariah basically got to clear off his whole bucket list in one conversation, getting the chance once in a lifetime to, to offer the incense in the Holy of Holies. Remember, and this crowd will probably appreciate this even more than, than those that are down in Sunday school right now. But the first people to get a glimpse of the coming Messiah, they weren't the people you'd think. They weren't the young bucks, the rich, the powerful. They were the people getting on in years that had a certain maturity to them. It happened to be this childless couple that was suffering the pain of wanting. If God chose to give them a glimpse, maybe he's got something for you to anticipate too. Let's pray together. Lord, we hang on tight. Knowing you are a God who can pull out just about anything when it comes to writing your story in our lives. What is it you want us to be ready for? Maybe it is your second advent, your second coming. Maybe it's the person that you're preparing us to talk to, to give hope to, to share your love and grace with. Maybe it's the person you're calling us to just brighten their day a little bit. Whatever it looks like, Lord, prepare our hearts. Thank you for giving us this gift that we get to celebrate year in and year out and day in and day out. Help us to do it while we pray. Amen.